it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 8, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods, all of my goods, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. It thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let me say this to you real quick because it's hit me sitting in staff meeting on Monday night. And I, you know, it's always crazy when you finish preaching a message and you get these crazy revelations that you go, man, I, I wish I would have said that during the sermon. Why didn't I say that? And this is something that's going to take a second for your brain to wrap around, but let your spirit grab it first and it might just sink. And that is this statement. When you're loving, if I tell my wife I love her, I am not loving her with my love. I'm loving her with God's love. If you are loving someone with your love, it is not God's love. Because it has to be a godly love, not a response to an emotion. It just makes you feel good in the moment you're living in. It's like this. When I leave my house every day and I tell my wife I love her, I am not saying it because that is the duty of me as a husband to say that response to her. But yet I am declaring my love, my godly love for her. That means that throughout her day, she will succeed and never fail. That means she will feel great all day long. That means everything in her existence will operate according to God's plan and purpose for her life. That is the godly love inside of me. But if my love is given out based on me getting a reward later on in the day, that is my own love and it is flawed. Your love, your love in your flesh form is flawed. But godly love is not flawed at all. And I want to challenge you to reorganize how you demonstrate love. Instead of putting you before love, put God before love and see how much further you get. Let God go before your love. If you look at this scripture, can you, can you, say, can you say these things in verse 4? Can you say instead of love suffers long and is kind, can you say, for me, Brian suffers long and is kind? Can I say these things like Brian does not envy? Brian does not parade himself. Brian is not puffed up. Brian does not behave rudely. Brian does not seek his own. Brian is not provoked, and Brian doesn't think evil. Brian does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Brian bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Brian never fails. Every one of those statements can be said, yes, if God is operating on the inside of me. But if there are any of those statements that I cannot walk in, it is that the true love of God is not operating on the inside of me. And I need to ask God to fix that area in my life so that the true love of God can. It's getting quiet in this church. Amen. Because here's the truth of it. Most people today love because of the benefits. I will love you so that you love me. I will give you my love so that you give me your love. Love doesn't need a gift. Love is a gift. Love doesn't need a reciprocated emotion. It is full in its entirety, and it needs nothing added to it. But it's hard for us because we've been conditioned to expect a payment plan in response to what we give. Let me go through this. Let me recap where we've been over the last two weeks. We start in there. It says that love is patient. Love is not just patient. It's patient with 
people. Love is sweet or kind. It's sweet to all. Love does not want. Love doesn't need a parade. And I know what some people say, Pastor, look, I loved that person. Well, praise God. You did what the word said. Let's, let's, let's celebrate you. It's amazing to me when people come tell me what they did. Man, just be proud of what you did and be confident that God saw it. I, if I see it, it's not going to do anything for you. If I give you a trophy, you know what's going to happen to that trophy. It's going up in a box in the garage seven years from now. It's not going to do anything for you. But if God sees you, if God notices you, if God rewards you, then you know that God is in what you were doing. Love does not need a parade. Love conquers pride. Anybody here ever deal with pride? I will lift my hand. Come on, work with me. Now you can join my club. Amen. We deal with prideful moments. We have prideful moments. When God, when the true love of God is operating on the inside, it conquers that pride. It says here that love is not rude. Love is selfless. It's not selfish. Love does not get angry. Oh, Jesus. But, Pastor, I got angry yesterday. Well, you better let love get back inside of you then. Well, the Bible says be angry and sin not. It's okay if we be angry. Yeah, but love doesn't get angry. Love chooses to live in joy. Love chooses not to let anger win. Hey, come on. Anybody ever here got angry? Okay. Uh, uh, I, I, I can still have these issues. I, I'll tell you a great, great story. I told y'all last week I got some road rage. Amen. Pray for your pastor. I don't like incompetent drivers. Can I get an amen from somebody in the church this morning? Come on. And it, it always seems like the incompetent drivers show up when you're trying to get somewhere. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, they're like hey, here's the speed limit's 45, and you're going to do 32. Brother, I want to lay on the horn and get you to move, and then I have to realize that God's probably just slowing me down because he wants to speak longer to me. That's the side point. Uh, so, so I was driving the other day, and I was sitting at a stoplight, and, and this, <laughs> this guy comes into the shoulder of the turn lane, and as the light turns green, he whips his big old truck, nearly clipping the front of my truck. I'm on the phone with my wife. And I said, hold on, baby. She said, what are you doing? I said, this man almost clipped the front of my car. She said, babe, stop. I said, no, I'm good. She said, what are you doing? I said, just hang loose for a minute. So I, I cre creeped up, and we ended up at the stoplight right next to him. I rolled my window down. And I looked at him, and he, he'd make this angry face because he thinks I'm just going to say bad words. I got a house sticker on the back of my car. I got to be careful. Amen. And uh, love has no limits. All right. And, and uh, so I pull up, and he rolls the window down, and and I said, I said, hey, man, listen, just promise me you're going to be careful. I said, I could have had my kids in the car. You could have clipped the front of my car. You could have caused injury to my children. I said, man, just be careful. He's like, I'm a race car driver. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm a race car driver. And he was, he was, he was a southerner to the core. And, uh, and he, he's yelling, and he's, he's leaning over his steering, and he's cussing me out. You blankety blanket, if you want to, if you're gonna do this, and if you if you don't do a burnout, you're a bleep. <laughs> I'm biting my anger right now. I'm like, oh God. And my wife's going, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like, nope, I got it, I got it, I got it. I let him I said, hey man, you have a nice day. I just want you to be safe. And I rolled up my window. And I had to choose not to be angry. Here's why. Because I went to Office Depot, and as I'm pulling into Office Depot, he came to find me. And I get out of my car, and I'm walking into Office Depot. Whoom. And I'm like, oh, we're about to throw down now. <laughs> Here it comes. It's about to be World War II in this parking lot. And somebody's going to lose. And so I'm sitting there, and a window rolls down. And he's like, beep, 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 beep. And I said, hey, stop. I said, I wasn't trying to fight you. I just want you to be careful, man. I used to make some of those decisions you made today. 
And I don't want you to not only get in trouble, but get hurt in the process. And his friend hits him in the elbow. He goes, I told you. He said, I told you he wasn't mad. He just wanted us to be okay. He rolled the window up and went through the parking lot. I had a choice. I could have lost my moment to win by choosing anger. Or I could let the love of God take over and not have to vindicate myself, but to have an opportunity to sow a seed so that his life, whether or not it ever happens, I don't know. But, whether or not, but my opportunity to sow a seed into his life of love instead of angry. The reason he cussed me out is because someone cussed him out. He is responding to a nature in him that has already been sowed into him. And I had an opportunity to sow something greater into his life. And you go, but pastor, you didn't see it. I don't need to see it. I don't have to see the reward. I just have to be a planter. It says love doesn't get angry. Love doesn't keep records of wrongdoing. And this is where we ended service last week because this is a problem in the church. And with people today is that we are really good at keeping records of everybody's wrongs, but we do not allow people to do right. We hold everybody to a standard that we do not hold ourselves to. Can I get an amen from somebody? Somebody's not going to agree with me on that thought process, but if you dig deep enough, you'll find out that you hold people accountable to things you don't even hold yourself accountable to. Well, they're not holy. Well, if I got into your backyard long enough and saw how holy you were, I'd probably find out you're not as holy as you think you are either. But yet we will hold people accountable to certain things. Well, he doesn't read his word. Well, how much do you read your word? You know that old statement, be careful if you point a finger because you got fingers pointing back at you? It's amazing that we don't even think about that process anymore. No, I'm just going to point fingers. We're good at rebuking folk. You're bad. You're this. You're that. You, you did this. You did that. Man, listen to me. If you cannot let people go for the mistakes that they made, you will stumble in what you carry that doesn't belong to you. Because you are putting on weights of other people's existence that will cause and hinder you to stumble and fall rather than letting them go so that God can touch them. Let me say this a sidebar. Be careful that your record keeping doesn't keep God from touching them. So today we're going to deal with verse 6 and verse 7. And I pray that you're going to get something out of this this morning. Verse 6, in the very beginning, it says this. It says, love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. In other words, love does not find pleasure in anything wrong. Love does not find pleasure in anything. Okay, watch this. Let's be real. Can we just be, put your spiritual self away for a second. Put your religious self away for a second. Let's just be real people for just a moment. Has anybody in this room ever been happy and you felt like somebody got what they deserved? See, I told you it was coming. God vindicated me. Look, at God. see, they came against me and God, God brought the bear out the woods and, and devoured their whole family. Look at me. Look at how good I am with God. We rejoice in those things. Okay, let me say this to you real quick. There was a scripture in the Bible, and that's not even in my notes, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hit sidebar here for just a second. There was a scripture in the Bible that says that God prepares a table in the midst of your enemies. And for so long in the church, it has been taught that it is a place where God puts you so that your enemies can see how good God is to you. That is wrong translation. The translation of that scripture is God puts you in the midst of your enemies so that your enemies have an opportunity to eat of the food that you've been eating so that they can receive the God that you've been walking with. But for some reason in the church, we've been teaching this vindictive God that wants to set the path straight. God did not come to hurt people. He came to save people. And how does he say he's going to use your irritations to save those that irritated you? 
He's going to put you in positions with people that have frustrated you, have caused aggravation in you, have even hurt you. And you're going to have to sit there and let God be God instead of you trying to be God. Sit at the table. Let him serve you. But understand he's going to serve your enemies too. And as he's serving your enemies, he is going to win your enemies through you. He's going to win them through you. But for some reason, we find pleasure when people fall into calamity. And we think, we think that we have the power to pray that kind of prayer. Let me say this to you. The only one that prays that kind of prayer is Satan himself. If we ever pray that someone has something negative happen to them because of the decisions they've made, you are now no different than the person who made the mistake. Love finds no pleasure in anything wrong. Love does not find pleasure in anything wrong. It is not so much the act of doing something wrong that love does not find pleasure in, but the pleasure we tend to find when we hear something derogatory about someone else. When was the last time you heard something, somebody falling, and instead of going, man, I saw that coming, you went, man, let's stop and pray. I mean, maybe I need to call them this week. Maybe I need to check on them this week. Maybe, maybe I need to follow. But Pastor, you don't, you don't understand. Look, look at how bad they did. Look, you don't understand. I do understand. And I know how bad I did. Thank God he was there to pick me up and people were there to pick me up. Why should I be any different? The love of God does not rejoice in the moments of things being wrong. It grieves when things are wrong. It grieves when people fail. It grieves when people fall. It does not get excited about, yep, 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 look how great I am. Look how bad they are. They should have never come against me. I've watched people who have said things about me over the years fall in themselves. And people are like, oh, pastor. That's the hand of God. Boy, you obviously don't know the hand of God then. Because that's not the hand of God. Because the hand of God is to pick up, not to cast down. The hand of God is there. So what I've got to do is choose to walk in love and let God have control and not be angry when people come against me, but pray that God would touch them through whatever they're going through. Understand that the reason that they did the things that they did is because they are going through a struggle. And just like I went through a struggle, I'm going to pray that God will deliver them from the hand of the enemy and believe that it will come to pass. So many times we want to celebrate when something happens to somebody because we have a vindictive nature. That is not love, that is hatred. Be careful that you don't condition love to your hatred. The pleasure we tend to find is when we hear something derogatory about someone else. In other words, godly love doesn't like pain. It likes promise. Godly love doesn't like gossip. It doesn't like it when we sit and we do what Church folk do so well, and that's discuss other people's problems rather than surrender our own. I've said this to people over the years. The people that talk about church folk the most are the ones that won't go to the altar and give up what they're hiding. When people come to me and go, Pastor, did you hear this about so-and-so? Did you hear this about so-and-so? My typical response is, have you been to the altar lately? Because there are things that you're hiding in your closet that you want no one to see. And so you want to expose everyone else rather than let God expose his light upon your world so that you can be changed by him. Stop worrying about God changing everybody else and let God change you so that he can use you in a masterful and mighty way. Let his light shine through you. It does not, love does not find pleasure in bad reports of others. It finds pleasure in the promise that God has for them. Don't give up on somebody in the midst of a bad report, but walk with them. And if they've hurt you, pray for them. Bless those who what? Curse you. 
and who wickedly despise you. Bless them. Bless them. I promise you, you will have a greater day when you start blessing those who've come to destroy you. It goes on, it says, it does not find pleasure, or it does not, uh, it does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It rejoices in the truth. It means it's actually excited to unveil itself and live in its complete form. It does not need to hide in lies. Let me help you with something. Love doesn't lie. Mm. Love doesn't lie. Love doesn't lie. Can we give you a, a side story real quick? Uh, two years into my marriage. It's much easier to put myself on the chopping block than it is to call you out on yours. So let me just go ahead and live it for you. Two years into my marriage, the church, we had just started the church. Church finances were horrible. But I had to be the man. Can I get a man that will join the club with me for a second? Provision protector, defender, keeper of the faith. Okay, I got to do all this stuff for, for my family. And so I didn't want my wife to know that the church was dying. We stepped out in faith to start the church, and I'm watching the numbers just click, 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 click. It's not because I'm spending. It's because nothing's coming in. And I'm going, God, I don't know what to do. And so my wife would ask me every week, and how's the church doing? Said, good, good, babe. Because I didn't want to tell her that we were struggling. I didn't want her to know or be afraid because women, help me for a second, you like structure and stability. We'll go out and make it happen. We'll sell a kidney, an arm, a leg. We'll figure it out. But women like structure and, so, and, and stability. And so I knew that. And so I was like, okay, I got to find a way to fix this. So how do I fix it? I just kind of pushed her off to the side. Hey, babe, everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. Till one day, for some reason, the Lord led her to the bank. And I got a phone call. Where are you at? I don't know where you at. Because <laughs> wherever you are, it don't sound like I want to be right now. She goes, we need to talk. And I walked in the house of this woman. She said, why did you lie to me? I didn't lie to you. What are you talking about? Watch. She said, you lied to me. I said, what are you talking about? I didn't lie. She said, explain this to me. She handed me a receipt. And I went, okay, here's what's been going on. Here's what I learned why I did what I did. And I'm not blaming anyone. It was my choice to do what I did. And I didn't do it with malicious intent to hurt my wife. I was trying to fix something. Instead of loving, I was trying to work at it. I tried to apply my hands to it instead of his hands to it. Watch. Growing up as a kid, we lied about everything. Why? Because in our home, it was tumultuous. So the best way to stay out of trouble was to make up stories. It was to hide things. Even when we weren't wrong, we still conditioned ourselves to lie. This is something my older brother and I talk about all the time, that we had to break the spirit of lying off of us because we had become so conditioned to hide even that which didn't even wasn't going to kill us. Because that was love. Because that's what we saw. That's what we equated to as love. Hide until something's good and then tell the story that it was good. And I learned something that day that I was lying to my wife because my wife looked at me. She said, baby, she said, you lied to me. And it crushed me because I didn't want to be this guy. And I'm like, babe, I, I didn't. She said, it doesn't matter which way you paint it. It doesn't matter how you lay it out. By hiding things from me, you lied. In other words, you did not walk in truth. The Bible says the truth shall set you free. And I know we're talking about the truth of the word of God will set you free. But let me help you with something. Telling the truth will set you free too. 
When you can get to a place where you're not worried what everybody thinks and you can live in the rawness of who you are, even with your mistakes, then the truth wins. That means love wins. As opposed to hiding things because you are trying to protect yourself. Let me help you with something. If you are trying to defend and protect yourself from the ones that you say you love, then you are not walking in godly love. You are walking in prideful emotion. Because if I have to protect myself from my wife, then I do not love my wife, and my wife probably doesn't love me. It is a defective relationship. And I labeled it that because I thought I had to protect this thing. I had to protect this bubble. I'll fix it, and she'll, she won't have to know about it. She won't have to freak out about it. But no, I didn't need to fix it. You know what I need to do? I needed to go to the one that I was in love with, grab her by the hand and say, come here, because I can't do this on my own. I'm not capable to do this on my own. I am fighting this. I go to bed every night in cold sweats because I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know why people won't give in the church. I don't know why this won't happen. I don't know why this. And baby, I need us to pray and stand together as opposed to me fighting these monsters on my own love doesn't try to live on its own it likes teamwork it likes having people because it is raw in who it's who it is there's this space where i was telling somebody the other day i said you're going to get to a point in your life that you're going to have to tell your story and they were like i don't know if i could ever do that pastor i can't they all judge me i said man it's the most freeing thing i do Somebody came to me years ago, stop telling us about you got arrested. Do you know that I don't tell that story for you to hear it? I tell that story for me. Because every time I tell it, I feel better. When I look you in the face, I've been to jail four times. Count them four times. Four times. And I'm still here. Woo! Man, that makes me feel good. I feel better about me. I'm not doing it for you. I'm telling my story. Because my testimony sets me free. Because my testimony is the love of God manifesting on the inside of me. So when I tell the story, it's not, I'm just reminding myself. Sometimes you got to remind yourself how good God's love is. And understand that it's faithful and it's going to carry you. But you don't have to lie about who you were or even who you are right now. Just own it. Because listen, man, if if you can't love me while I own my stuff, you won't love me when it's good either. Because now your love is conditional. Your love is conditional only upon the good things. Let me say this as a sidebar. It's amazing how many people only love God when it's good. God, godly love is not conditional. It doesn't need to create stories. It, is, it just celebrates living in the truth. Let me say this to you. If you've got a problem with lying, I said it last week. I'll say it again into the same vein. If you've got a problem with lying, then the love of God has not overtaken your tongue yet. But you don't understand, man. If I tell the truth, it's going to be bad. Go Keep going to sleep in your pain every night. Keep going to sleep wondering how tomorrow's going to be. Keep going to bed in fear and worry and doubt and confusion because you are not living in the truth. Just live in the truth. My mama used to come to me and says, you could tell the truth. Doesn't matter. Just tell me the truth. And I knew that was a lie. I love her, but I knew that was a lie. Because the moment I told the truth, there was going to be repercussions for my truth. Amen. Amen. There was going to be repercussions. There could have been a butt whipping handed to me. There could have been groundings happening. It could have been all kinds of things. And I knew. But, man, let me tell you something. Even when I didn't want to tell it, when I told it, the pressure left. Pressure left. Can you just be satisfied with who you are instead of trying to become somebody you're not? Because let me help you with something. Lies create characters that aren't you. Lies create people that God never called you to be. Just live in the truth and understand that if you can walk in the truth, it'll be a lot easier to walk in love. 
Keep on going. Goes on and says, love bears all things. That doesn't mean it roars like a bear at all things. It bears all things. In other words, love can take anything that comes its way. Watch this. If you can't handle the situation, love can. Watch this. Okay, watch, 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 watch. Anybody ever had somebody attack them verbally? I just the other day in my car, amen. Called me all kinds of bad words. Blankety, blank, blankety, blank, 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 blank. Okay. Love, love can take anything. But you can't. You can't. If you end up being the response to what everybody does to you, then the love of God is not operating through you. You are operating through yourself. See, there, there's this balance here that I keep looking at as we continue to study this word, is that love really was created to conquer you. Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden. No, love was to conquer everybody else. No, it was created to conquer you so that you could love others. Love was not created to conquer everybody so that you could have vengeance. Love was created to conquer you so that you could go out and tell the world about the one who conquers everything. But for some reason, we won't let, let love come in and conquer us. Love can take anything. It's you that can't. So when I find myself in a predicament that I can't seem to handle, I need to find where I put love down and picked Brian up. I need to find out where I chose me over him. I need to find out where God went in the midst of my existence. But pastor, you, but you don't understand. They did me so wrong and, and I'm just not going to take it anymore. So you want to fight them. You want to have vengeance. You want to you you one-up them. You want to see how far you go. Have you ever tried to one-up somebody? It just keeps doing this. And no one ever wins. Someone's going to lose in the process. Stop trying to fight the world with you and let love come in and conquer the space. Love can take anything. When I was sitting in that car, and man, if I wish I could in this church repeat to you what that man said to me out of that truck. Because you'd have been like, Pastor, I'd have punched him square in the mouth. You'd have talked to me about your fleshly side because that man called me every name in the book. Called me words that were so ungodly, and I just had her and just smiled. But here's the crazy part. When I rolled up my window, none of those words came in the car with me. I rolled up my window and went, praise the Lord, I'm going to go on the office depot and get my stuff. And he came in that parking lot. Blah, 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 blah. Amen. Love you. Praise God for you because your words don't mean nothing to me. Because your words are not God's words. They're yours. And your words have no power to win in my existence. So I'm good. Shut your mouth. I'm going to go do my shopping. Probably praying for you while I'm picking up my stuff, while I'm smiling from ear to ear because I'm going to walk in love instead of walking in Brian's anger. Love bears all things. It can take anything that comes its way. Godly love would rather mend things than publicly display them. It can take anything in and does not need to serve it back with a greater portion. It can bear any insult, injury, or disappointment. I'm just trying to help you with this because there's this, there's this space in us that feels like we have to retaliate. I'm going to get them back. Anybody ever said that? I'm going to get them back. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to get them back. They did me wrong. I'm going to get them back. They just don't know it. It's coming. I'm going to get them when they least expect it. It's coming. Anybody want to join that club? Go ahead. Come on. Just be real with me in this church. No, Pastor. I pray for everybody and love everybody and smile. If I sat in your house as a fly on your wall, I'd find out that is not truth. You better live righteous in this house and tell the truth. Lord, it says, the, says, says rejoices in the truth. Can we be, be truthful? Uh, it, it, it bears 
all things. Everything I can't handle in my life, love can. Oh. And let me help you with something. I can't handle anything in my life. That's why I need God. That's why I chose to get saved and rather than live in my sin. Because I knew that I could not live my life without him. And everybody, people have told me the years, they said, Pastor, you just use God as a crutch. You dang right I do. Because before him, I had a nasty limp. You'll catch that one in a second. I looked mangled and messed up. Oh, you need to let the world see your limp. No, I need to let the world see my crutch. Yes, I lean on him in every situation, every moment. Yep, I lean on him. But you just use him as, no, it's not an excuse, baby. It's what I lean on. It's what I live for. It's what I'm going to die on. I'm going to hold on to him to the end of this ride. And when it's all said and done, I, I know where I'm going to end up. Love can bear all things. Some of y'all going through pain in your life. I just want to put you in check here and ask you, where's the love? Have you found it lately? Are you living in it? Are you walking in it? Because if you're not, then you're not walking in God. You're walking in yourself. Don't come into church lifting up your hands, singing your cute little songs, amening me while I'm preaching, and let no love operate on the inside of you. Because that means every word in that Bible has no effect on your flesh. And you would rather walk in pride and in sin than let the love of God conquer you. There, there is a problem, in epi- I didn't mean to go here. There's an epidemic in the church today where we come into church services, we listen to messages, and we do not apply what we've heard. And we get mad at God because God's not moving. It's not that God's not moving. God already moved. He's waiting on you. He's waiting for you to get up and move. You go, but pastor, God's not doing it for me. God never said he was going to do it for you. Read your Bible. If you read it clearly, you'll find it numerous times. God always tells people to come. He even told the children to come. The ones who didn't have the wisdom, didn't have the knowledge, still said, come here. Why? Because the response to God is to come to him, not for him to have to come to us. If we keep telling God to come to us, then he's nothing more than a sugar daddy, giving us things that we want when we want them. Okay, I got to get off my soapbox here. I'm just turned up in my spirit real quick. I just want you to get this. I want you to caption this. I want you to find this part out because I'm tired of watching church folk blaming God for their conditions. You don't blame God for your stuff. You better blame yourself. Stop looking at God. It's all God's fault. You are in your predicament because you choose to be in your predicament, not because God can save you. You're slapping his hand away and going, I'd rather sit in my pit. The love of God will rescue you out of it. But that means you're going to have to leave yourself in it. Because when you come out of the pit, you cannot come out the way you were. You have to come out the way he's called you. Lazarus didn't come out the tomb broken. He came out the tomb whole. He might have been bound up, but as he bounced his way out out at that little hole, he stuff fell off. Sometimes we got to choose to get out of the stuff. We got to understand that love bears all things. It goes on. It says that love believes all things. Now this scripture, this part of the scripture, can have two meanings. That means love trusts God to be God, or love trusts people and chooses to believe in them. I want to deal with the second part of that one because I think that's a space that we need to get better at. That we trust people. Somebody said, well, Pastor, I don't have trust with people because people have always broken my trust. And people will always break your trust. Get over it. They're going to do it. People are people. Stop depending your ability to trust people based on what someone's inability to do the right thing broke you. Let me help you something. If you keep saying, I cannot trust, then you choose to be broken rather than let the love of God heal you. 
Because so many people say to me, say, Pastor, I want to trust so bad, but I just can't do it. It's because you would rather believe the worst than believe the best. I would rather believe the best and let you disappoint me than believe the worst and then have to fix what's broken on the inside of me. I would rather choose to trust you and let you choose to make decisions that are against that trust level. And let me help you with something. Even in that, I, for some crazy reason, I keep trusting because the love of God trusts. Because the love of God doesn't look to put someone away and put someone down. It chooses to trust. And let me say this to you as a sidebar. While I'm saying this, can I just, I just I'm going to close my eyes so no one thinks I'm talking about them. But let me say this to you. If right now what I'm speaking, you are thinking about the person that you want this word to be vindictive of, the love of God is not in you. If you are sitting in your seat right now and going, so-and-so needs to hear this. So-and-so needs to hear this word. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. You are so far from God. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. But you need to listen. Because your pride is killing you. And it will find you in a grave six feet under without the God that you say you serve. Because I'm tired of people using God as the scapegoat to fight their battles rather than using God to love their enemies. I'm going to use God to hurt people. You devil. You pulling the Paul out of me. Y'all better stop. Choose to trust people and believe in them. Even when they do you wrong, trust them. Why? Because God trusts you. And even when you flop, he still puts it right back in. Even when you make a mistake, he still increases the investment. But for some reason, when someone makes a mistake and they hurt us, we withdraw everything out of the bank. And then we still ask them to love us. Love comes with investment. If you have nothing in the bank, what are you withdrawing? Nothing. We make people what we believe them to be. Trust is a love inhibitor, or the lack thereof is a love inhibitor. If I cannot trust you, then you cannot have my heart. Therefore, I cannot truly love you. Listen, if you do not trust people, don't tell them you love them. I love them, but I don't trust them. You do not love them. I'll say this for you to hear. I'll say this for everybody here on social media. If you cannot trust someone, do not say you love them. That is a lie. Because love trusts. Even when the world says run, it still trusts. For some reason, we want to withdraw that and say we love people. I am a very adamant person about the word love. I say I love you. That's my, that's my word. I say it to people that don't say it back, and I make them say it. I love you. Uh-huh. Nope. I said I love you. Uh-huh. I heard you. No, no, no. That word requires a response because I want you to feel that when you say it. I love you. They, I love you. All of a sudden, now they're hugging me and finding out what love really is like. And they realize that love is not a scary place. It's actually kind of fun. <laughs> Hugging is amazing. <laughs> Amen. Tell me, y'all look at me like I'm crazy right now. But I'm telling you, man, love, will make the, love makes the world go around. It fixes things. You, you, you find out and you get brokenness just wiped off of you when you hug somebody. But I need you to walk in trusting others. Stop living in the pain of the wrongs. Start living in the promise of love. goes on and says, love hopes all things. Love hopes all things. In other words, love hopes for the best and doesn't look for the worst. Love hopes. You have faith in God, you have hope in people. 
Watch that. Watch that. Watch that. I got to work here on this one. It's amazing we want to have hope in God and put our faith in people. No wonder you're disappointed. Faith is reserved for God. Hope is reserved for people. Oh, people don't want to talk about this one ever because they want to put our hope in God. Here's what hope says. Hope says that you can fail. Hope says that you have an option to fail. So when I say I put my hope in God, I don't put my hope in God. I put my faith in God. You know what that says? Unwavering, unequivocally, I trust him no matter what, even when it looks like the world is going to fall apart, even when the news says we're in the worst place we've ever been as a, as a society and as a culture. Nope, God's still in control. I have faith. Faith is what the woman with the issue of blood had when she was told to stay at home because she was a pariah to the community, and she pushed her way out of her home, got dressed that morning, walked through the city even while everybody was talking about her, pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment and didn't care what other people thought. Faith is what put blind Bartimaeus outside the city for 32 years, crying out, waiting, knowing that one day Jesus would come by. And when he heard the sound of his sandals, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when the disciples told him to shut up, you're being too loud, he got even louder and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. That's faith. Because we know the one that we serve and we know that he is faithful. But hope is what we put in people. Somebody said, I put my faith in that person, and they did me wrong. That's the problem. Faith is not reserved for people. It's reserved for God. Look at every time God healed somebody, Jesus healed somebody. What did he say? Go your what? Your faith made you whole. Did it say anything about your hope? There's no translation. I've looked for it. There's no translation that faith equals to hope. You cannot put the two words in the same sentence line. It is not. It does not work together. You can't call jelly peanut butter. You can't call peanut butter jelly. They're two different pieces. You put them together, they're a good place. But you put your hope in people. You put your faith in God. That's why when people come up short, you don't lose your faith. Hopes for the love, hopes for the best, and doesn't look for the worst. I hope that you choose to do what's right. But if you choose not to, I'm not going to lose my faith because of it. I'm going to put my hope in you. I'm going to put my hope that you will choose to walk out today and choose to love people. But if you choose to go outside and cuss somebody out today, that's on you. I'm not going to go home and crawl up on my bed and cry about it. I delivered the word. You got to choose what you walk in. I hope that you do it. But I, your, 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 your inability or your choice to not do something or to not live right or to not worship the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength or your choice or your choice to not come to church or your choice not to worship him or your choice not to pray or your choice not to read your word. That's your choice. I hope that you do. But my faith is found in him. I hope. I hope for you by my faith. Is found in him. Love knows that God has everything under control and can rest on that promise. It chooses to trust. Goes on and says, Love endures all things. Love endures all things. Did I skip one? I feel like I did all of a sudden. Nope, I didn't. Love endures all things. This word endure comes from the Greek word of. Hupomenine, or if you want to try that again, hupomenine, which means to conquer. Not passively ignore or even to put off, but that love can conquer anything. So not only does love hope for the best and does not look for the worst, but love can conquer anything. Love has no limits. Love, true love, has no limits. Your fleshly love has limits. But godly love can leap over every wall that you build. 
In fact, that love can actually tear down the wall. I, somebody said to me, I, I was counseling somebody years ago, and, and I was talking to them, and I said, man, you, you live in a fortified space. And they said, you're right, I do. I don't trust anybody. I don't let anybody in. I'm in my own box. I, I, I love God. But, but I, I, you know, and I, and I told him, I said, the problem is you won't even let God in that box. Yes, I do. It's me and God. It's me and God. No, you won't. Because if you can't love people, you can't love God. If you can't love your enemies, how do you love God? Because it's not godly love. That's hoarded love. That's put in a box and keep it for myself love. I said, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Will you let me to remove, help, let me, allow me to remove one brick out of your wall today? Here's the funny thing. I get to pick the brick. I don't pick from the center of the wall, baby. I go to the bottom. Brrrr, it just crumbles. No, I'm vulnerable. Now you can feel the love of God. Because you were living in this space that you said, I, I have God. No, as long as you have walls, you don't, you, you put yourself in a box. How's God going to dwell in that? God is a limitless God. He is not a limited God. He doesn't find himself hidden behind walls. He tore down Jericho for that foolishness. He tore down the Tower of Babel for that foolishness. He's not going to be confined or limited by people. He's going to bind himself to his promises and to the fullness of who he is. He's going to hold himself to be truth. The problem is, is that we try to hold on to certain things and we don't let love conquer anything. But love can conquer anything. The truth of it is, is that it really came to conquer you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for whosoever. Who's he talking about? Whosoever. Don't make it a plural moment. I'm a whosoever. You're a whosoever. It is not the collective unit. It is individually marked for each person. God's love demonstrates differently to each person. That's how God wins. Could you imagine if you got saved just like the person you've never met got saved? It'd be weird. God didn't, some of y'all, God didn't get you out of a jail cell after you spent your whole life growing up in the church. That's where he found me. And I've met a lot of people that have stories just like me. But everybody in this room doesn't have a story like me. Praise God you don't have a story like me. We just be a bunch of ex-convicts walking around in a room. <laughs> Having flashbacks of jail cells and going, no. Well, that's not what he wanted. God finds his way to reach you where you are and finds his way to reach other people where they are. But love can conquer. If God, if God can conquer a jail cell and speak to me about the call of God on my life, sleeping in a little old cot, he can find you wherever you are. Love came. When was the last time you loved, let love conquer you? So let me say this to you. I've determined that the problem with winning the lost and the reason the church is not good at winning souls anymore is because God has not won ours yet. Just sit on that for just a second. He's won your attendance. He's won your tithe. He's won everything else. He's won the production of church membership. But he has not won your soul yet. And God says you can do all of that. But until I've got your soul, your heart, Everything that's in you, I do not have you. Your tithe doesn't get you into the kingdom. You can't buy your way in. Your attendance in church doesn't get you into the kingdom because you cannot attend your way in. What God is saying is, can I have your life? Can I conquer your heart? Somebody said to me, Pastor, I'm dealing with anger. Let God conquer your heart. 
I'm dealing with, with pain from the past of my family. Can you let God conquer your heart? Don't ask God to conquer them. Ask God to conquer you. I keep fighting my spouse, and I'm so mad, I want to tell her she's wrong. Shut up. Let God conquer you, and then he'll conquer whatever that is that's causing friction between the two of you. Stop trying to pray prayers that fix everyone else, and just let God fix you. Let God conquer you so that you can go forth and tell the world about the king that conquers everything. Could you imagine... Could you imagine, as we close, could you imagine a church that left the church and didn't need the church to be loved, but made the church a place where we came and celebrated the love of God? Because all week long, we conquered because love conquers everything. I'm going to say this to you real quick as I close, and I promise I'm really shutting it off, but I need to say this to you. I, you're going to hear this over the next, uh, this next series that I got starting in, in uh, March. I have decided to put away all the events of the church. Oh, that's hard. God told me in my prayer time, and I've really been weighing over this for like the last couple months. God, I... For 12 years, we've done amazing things in our community and, and, and made amazing events and seen thousands of people come to this little church that, man, these, this team is amazing. And God says, none of it matters until their soul matters. So God's been dealing with me in this area. What is the definition of the house? If you were to take the house Slidell and you were to ask anybody outside of our church, what is that church known for? What would they say? Oh, they do big events. They're, they're a good church. Pastor's a little nuts. They got great worship. But what are we known for? And I started really weighing that over in my spirit. And God said, the only thing I told you to ever do is to go into all the world and declare the good news and win the lost. So I need you to understand. I don't need some quick little cute little vision mission statement to make everybody think we're great. All that foolishness. I don't need that. I'm kind of tweaking some things and you're going to see it real quick. That this church will become known for reaching a city that's lost. Not an adoption agency for other church members to leave their church and come here. I won't be it. Now, that doesn't mean that people can't leave where they are because God's doing something here and they feel like this is where God's called them. But we will not be an acceptance ground for people that leave in frustrations. Because that's not winning people. That's just allowing them to sit in their funk in another building. Not going to do it. Here's what I'm looking for. When I end this race, right? My wife and I talk about this. My wife and I talk about this all the time. The Bible says that we'll be doubly judged for what we do. That means I'll be doubly honored for what I do as well. You got to read your word to understand that. God will not give curses without blessing. They, they equal each other out. When I get into heaven, I don't want to hear, good job, Ryan. I want to hear you heard my heart and you walked in it. 
even when nobody else wanted to. You built a culture of my kingdom, not a culture of your church. You didn't build the house, Slidell. You built my house. And while you've been building my house, I've been building yours. See, we've walked away from that because what the church does today, and i got to sit here for just a moment, and I know I'm supposed to be done, but, but the church has gotten to a place where we are just trying to build our comfortable emotions. We don't win the loss. We don't invite people to church anymore. We tell other church people from other churches to come visit our church. Stop it! Because every time we do it, we lose another soul for the kingdom. This is what I believe. And you don't have to believe what I believe. This is what I feel in my spirit. God sits in heaven grieving over the church. The Bible says he's coming back for a bride. The problem is the bride hasn't even showed up to the church yet. He's coming. No, he's not. Because he hasn't found the bride yet. You don't like that teaching. You, you want to say, oh, I'm a part of the bride. If you don't have a lost person in your eyesight and you're not trying to win them to the kingdom of God and you refuse to pray for the sick, the broken, and the downtrodden, if you refuse to demonstrate the love of God to everyone you come in contact with, he is not returning. You will, he will not come in your lifetime. Now, I will have people that will disregard what I just said, people that tell me I'm wrong. But I'm telling you, I understand this now. God is looking for a church that will go get the bride and win her. Not sleep with her and then disregard her. Treat her like a little black book and then disregard her for the next moment. And let somebody else pick up my seconds. The people who are lost are not the crumbs. They are the filet mignon to God's table. We have got to stop filling the church and calling it loving God. I don't care anymore. I don't care if I say this today and next week 10 of y'all come back. I don't care. I don't care. Because I'm not in this for you. I got to sit down. I can't even sleep. The burden is too heavy. You go, Pastor, why, 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 why? Yeah, you're supposed to be burdened for the lost. No, we're supposed to be burdened for the lost. You know what I want to be said about this church? Man, you've been to the house? No, oh, man, what, what, what's that? That's a church. You know what they do? Bruh, they go after the people that are broken and hurting. They're, man, they're praying for people. Man, I, I go all over the city and see these people praying for folk all the time. Can't, like, they're not waiting until Sunday, man. They're getting it down. They're not. They're bold. They understand. They, they, man, they walk in God's love. I don't want to do another service where I just keep seeing the same old, same old stuff. I'm not talking about, we got to start a feeding program for the homeless. We gotta, no, I'm talking about next time you're in Walmart, you look at somebody and God says, pray for them. Don't be dumb enough to reject God. Yes, sir. Got it. Don't know what's about to happen, but can, come here. Can I pray for you? I'm going to tell you where I'm headed. It's going to freak you out. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you because I'm going to go ahead and lay it out for you. What I'm working toward is teams that go all over this city throughout the week. You go through the city. I'm not talking about go to New Orleans. I'm not talking about go to Mandeville. Listen, 
There is a reason why I put the state of Louisiana on this shirt because I'm tired of us jumping over mission fields to get to mission fields. Don't tell me you're going to go win another country when you can't win your neighbor that lives 10 feet from you. Much less win your wife that's sleeping next to you. Don't tell me we're going to conquer the world when I can't get you to conquer your job. But I'm moving towards a space where we set up this place where we are literally sending out teams every week into our community that basically do (laughs) drive-bys. We're going to hit the Walmart parking lot this weekend. Look, if I'm dumb enough to go into Walmart and put on a life vest and walk through a Walmart, I am dumb enough to walk in the parking lot and pray for folk. Now, let me say this to you real quick. I got to shut up. I got so much in me right now. Here's the piece of it. There are some of you right now that I'm saying this to you and you're going, uh-uh, uh-uh, that ain't me. Okay, I'm going to say this to you. Oh, so, yeah. Somebody's going, don't say it, don't say it. If that's not you, then God's not you. Oh, yes, he is. He's me. That's me, Pastor. I, 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 no. No. If that is not in you, to reach the lost, regardless of what you want to think about their social economic status or whether you think they're lying or telling the truth or whatever, if it is not your desire to win that which is lost or far from God, then you do not have the heart of God. You have the heart of the church. And in its entirety, the church in itself today is in ruins. We've removed the cornerstone. And we've built our kingdoms, calling it God's house. God says, I'm looking for a church that will restore the cornerstone. That will restore the cornerstone and allow me to be God and allow the lost to come home. Now, if you're in this room this morning, you go, Pastor, I'm lost. Well, good. You're in the right place. Because I got up this morning that you might be found. I'm hoping before you walk out of this door today, you're going to choose him more than you choose a church. So with all that being said, stand to your feet. Did I get a little tight? Did y'all get a little uncomfortable? Good. I didn't flip over tables in the synagogue. But I'm going to tell you what I felt. I felt that Paul frustration. Enough. Enough. Can, can I? The church has been reduced. Watch it. I'm going to mess with you really bad. And maybe I'm wrong for this, but God will convict me later. The church has been reduced to cards to get you to be bold. Instead of the righteousness of God living on the inside of you, where the Bible says the righteous are bold as lions. We've been reduced to gimmicks to win people rather than you becoming the conduit of his promise, his anointing. If love's going to have no limits in this city, that means you're going to have to tear your walls down. If love, godly love, is going to win in this community, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Stop waiting for the rest of the world to do it because we can't do it until you get up and join the team.
Super Bowl champs don't win the Super Bowl with just a quarterback. They need the whole team. God's wondering when the team's going to take its place so that we can win this community. Because I'm going to say this to you. I don't see a lot of this in our community anymore. So we will take that place. And I hope you'll join this team. Take the hand of the neighbor standing next to you right now as we close. Okay, I'm going to say something really tight. You ready? When we're done with church today, leave. I'm just being obedient to the voice of God right now. When I close service, want to buy a t-shirt, buy a t-shirt, roll out. Go. Bye. Why? Because you don't need to sit here and have the same conversations you have every Sunday. You need to find somebody and talk to them. Oh, Pastor, don't be so brutally rude. But don't be so complacent. When we get these messages, we get these words, it should be something that explodes on the inside of us. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I don't know where I'm going, but I gotta go. I gotta tell somebody. Not, I'm gonna hold it right here. I'll reserve it till I get to work tomorrow. And then you won't tell anybody you get to work because you're too tired, because you're frustrated, because it's Monday. I'll get them on Tuesday. You won't get them to Tuesday because something happens on the way to work on Tuesday and you forget. And then Wednesday comes. We're back to Sunday. We're like, I didn't do it. Oh, God, I failed. No, I want you to have a desire to walk out of this place today. Go to your restaurant. Go wherever you got. Pick up the phone. Call somebody. Hey, I need to tell you about the love of God. Woo! It's amazing. You go, Pastor, I'm not like you. I know you're not going to yell like me. I get it. I don't call my family and do that to them either and freak them out. But I do it to you because I'm trying to present to you where you need to get. Can I help with this? Watch this, watch this. Your, your home life, your family life, your job life will change when you make God the one that changes it. When you stop chasing money, when you stop chasing fame, when you stop chasing fortune, when you stop chasing promotion, when you stop chasing ego, when you stop chasing pride, and you just chase the heart of God, everything else just works. You know, my marriage gets better when I chase God more than I chase my wife. You know, I didn't post anything on social media on Valentine's Day because I didn't need to. I'm not saying if you did, that was wrong. I'm proud of you. Go for it. Praise God for you. I'm glad you did it. But God told me not to. I thought, well, God, I don't want her to be offended. He said, she won't be because you love her all year long. Valentine's Day is just another day to me. I'm going to live in the love of God. See, this is hard for people to grab, man. No, no, we got to have Hallmark's holidays. Or I'll just have God's love. How about that? Okay, squeeze that hand next to you. Am I, am I still not tight enough yet? I can get tighter. It's not about building friendships. It's not about sailing boats together out in the Kumbaya land. It's about the church becoming the church and us doing what we got to do. God cannot return for the bride in its current condition. It is broken, and it is the church's responsibility to fix it now. Last question. I will, statement, I want to see signs, miracles, and wonders. Oh, no, you missed that moment. I'm talking about dying folk come back to life. I'm talking about people in bed, hospital beds, walking up, getting up. I'm talking about sickness. Just There it went. But it won't until. 
The love of God has no limits. Because the love of God opens someone up for the healing of God. Watch it. I promise you. Go to somebody and love on them with the love of God and then ask them what they need prayer for and then pray for them and watch how quickly. Wow, just watch. Just, what in the world was that? God just needed you to be a vessel. He needs you to be a church member. He needs you to be a vessel. He needs you to have attendance or be a member of another church. He just needed you to be a vessel. Can you carry God's anointing? Woo. I'm going to take a step back on that one. Can you carry God's anointing? Does he trust you to carry his anointing? Or do you keep spilling it? Or do you have cracks in your vessel that you won't let God heal? And so when he wants to go pour it in, he can't because he knows it'll just pour right back out. Let God's love conquer you and then let him fill you and watch the world that you change around you. God's looking for a church that's not afraid to declare his kingdom unto all generations. And to see his hand move. But you're going to have to be a vessel. Because you're the one that's going to have to carry it. Squeeze the hand of the neighbor to stand next to you. Make sure they're still alive. Some of y'all got sweaty hands right now. Praise the Lord. Just keep holding it. Get over it. You got to love them anyway. Even sweaty hands and all. Do me a favor. Right where you stand. Just close your eyes for just a moment. This is what we're going to do. Instead of me being a soul winner, you're going to be a soul winner right now. Pastor, don't do that to me. Oh, you came to the wrong church. Everybody wants pastor to do it, but I need you to step up. If you stand into this place today and you say, Pastor, I need to feel the love of God. Now, this takes boldness to do this, but I need to feel the love of God. That hand that you're squeezing, if that's you, and you say, Pastor, I need to feel the love of God. I don't need to feel the love of the church. I don't feel the love of the preacher. I need to feel the love of God. I just want you to squeeze that hand that you're holding. Just squeeze it. So some of you are squeezing right now. I get it. Just, just tightly just nudge them. Just, that's me. Watch. Watch. I'm going to show you the power of God's love. You ready? Now, this is a joking moment for you. You're going to miss it. You're holding that hand and you squeeze that hand. Now watch. If your hand was squeezed, I want you, without even identifying them or notifying them, I want you to begin to pray for them right now. Pray. Pray the love of God on them right now. If I was wrong in my message, I would not have heard as many prayers as I just heard. If I missed it in what I just brought to this service, because it's what God deposited in my heart, it would have been a quiet church. But when I told you to pray, this whole room began to pray. 
which is identifying to the space that we must start walking in the love of God so that that prayer becomes quieter in the house and becomes louder in the community. I need that volume to decrease in the church and increase in our community. Pastor, I'm afraid to pray for people. Then start by praying, period. Because if you have a fear of praying for people, then you probably don't pray privately. And I want to challenge you to start praying privately every week, every day. And let that, I'm telling you, it'll get on you and then you just want to pray for everybody. And then you can walk.